Assalamu alaikum guys Welcome back to another podcast on Kalam Kobi Today, today, today man We have a very special guest Sheikh Ahmed Warda How are you doing Sheikh? Alhamdulillah, everything's good. How's your family? How's everyone? Well, Ramadan came comes to a closure. Yeah, it's a it's a bittersweet moment, honestly. It's a bittersweet moment. Um, it's bitter because because the uh, the guest is gone, the guest has left, and uh, it's sweet because we're going to celebrate a day of happiness, a day of joy. Definitely. Eid al-Fitr But For the Sahaba Ramadan was It was very special right. And they would keep that momentum going For Five or six months Meaning reminiscing over Ramadan And trying to keep up With what they would do in the month of Ramadan Not necessarily in terms of Quantity Because there's a special blessing in Ramadan right. That can't be found outside of the month of Ramadan but in terms of quality, or if they picked up something good in the month, or if they left behind something bad, bad they would continue that throughout those months. Five or six months, why? Because after that mark, it came what? Time to prepare for the next Ramadan. The Sahaba, it's commonly known, that they would prepare for Ramadan six months in advance. Yeah, six months. So That's that right. way, they're in the Ramadan vibe for the entire year. Subhanallah. This was the companions. This was the Sahaba. This is who they were. Had that passion. They had that passion, honestly. And, and if you think about it, in Ramadan, we connect to the Quran, we focus on worship, and on being meticulous in observing Allah's commands. But this is a training period for how we should be the rest of the year. SubhanAllah. Ramadan yes. is the training period for how we should be the rest of the year. And there was a beautiful quote that I read. If we live our lives like we live during Ramadan, perhaps our akhirah, the year after, will become our Eid. Wow. What a blessed quote. Wow. I'll repeat that one. <laughs> if we live our lives like we live during Ramadan, perhaps our Akhirah will become our Eid. Now obviously it's not necessary that you do as much worship the rest of the year as you would do in Ramadan. But a month is a good period of time to create new habits. Definitely. Studies show that it takes an individual, you know, some studies show 18 days or 21 days or 30 days or 40 days for an individual to acquire a habit or leave behind a habit. To either pick up a habit or leave like, a habit. So it's, it's tried and tested and studies show us that it works. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this month to create new habits, to better ourselves. So we have to figure out how we want to carry over those habits to the rest of the year. Definitely. We need to set aside some time to study the Quran on a daily basis. Now why do I mention Quran? Because Ramadan 
Shahrul Quran. Ramadan is the month of the Quran. And to keep that momentum going, what is one thing that we can take from Ramadan that was an essential component of the month of Ramadan? Quran. Quran. For exactly. sure. Exactly. So we have to set out some time on a daily basis to study the Quran. Now, when I mean study the Quran, I mean reciting it, of course, reading its translation, very important, but also very neglected. Yes. Many people give so much importance to reciting the Quran, and it's very rewarding. Don't get me wrong, but it's very important to know the meaning of what you're reading. To be able to communicate, or rather to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His speech. And above and beyond that, either picking up a nice English tafsir like Ma'arif al-Qur'an. It's in seven or eight volumes. It's an amazing, it's been, uh, you know, edited, revised. I, I recommend that for every person, subhanAllah. Ma'arif al-Qur'an of Mufti Shafi Uthmani, rahmatullahi alayhi. And also, another a very, uh, very nice book for, for, uh, learning about the Qur'an and what it teaches, learning about the different uh, miraculous natures of the Qur'an is Divine Speech by Noman Ali Khan and Sh Sharif Randawa. Okay, Divine Speech. And this is so, the book's name. Yeah, Divine Speech. So have that in your reading list next to Ma'arif al-Qur'an. And these two will be sufficient. Inshallah. They'll be sufficient. So I recommend this. You know, if, if we have the book list, if we have a book list, add this to your book list. There are PDFs available online for both for Ma'arif al-Quran and for Divine Speech. And read this on a daily basis. Or not on a daily basis, whenever uh, you have free time for reading. Whenever you've set aside some time for reading. This is apart from reciting Quran on a daily basis and reciting uh, alongside the translation. Something to add on to. Exactly. And maybe we can resolve to pray Qiyam every night on our own. We could do it in the month of Ramadan with so much enthusiasm. So why can't we do it outside of the month of Ramadan? Even if it's just a few extra raka'ah. In Ramadan, we were able to pray eight raka'ah every night. Qiyam, yes. Whether it was in the masjid or at home in Salat al-Tahajjud, one of the youngsters in the masjid, subhanAllah, asked him, I said, I don't see you. And uh, Qiyam, you know, when we do it at the masjid, he said, Sheikh, I'm being honest. I prefer praying at home, especially during that part of the night. It's just between me and Allah. SubhanAllah. He said, I, I, he said, I close my door and I perform my Qiyam, Salat al-Tahajjud, and I make dua to Allah, and it's very intimate. He said, I don't have the same feeling when I go to the masjid, subhanAllah. I said, you're a lucky individual. I said, you're very special, yeah. very rare. I said, even if a person has been worshipping for so many years, it's very difficult. I'll give you a, my example. It's very difficult for me in that specific situation, that scenario, to be able to focus and concentrate by myself versus if I have people around me mm. motivating me encouraging me definitely there's you know standing next to me that if they can do it I can do it if they can make dua I can make dua right 
handle this difference. Because you're completely by yourself. Exactly. Seclusion. Communication. Why? Because many of us don't know to, don't know how to communicate with our Lord. Hundred percent. And if you don't know how to communicate with someone, it's going to be awkward when you're alone with them. However, if you're comfortable with them, you'll be very comfortable when you're alone. Beautiful analogy. This is how he felt, subhanAllah. He wow. shared this with me. So let's try to develop that connection outside of the month of Ramadan. Why? Because we don't have Qiyan in the masjid, but we are still expected to maintain that connection and that relationship with our Lord. And this can be done after Salat al Isha. It doesn't necessarily have to be done at the time of Tahajjud, meaning the third third of the night, the last third of the night. Not necessarily. And this is extracted from uh, the narration of the Prophet to Sayyidina Abu Hurairah whose name was Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhr. Abu Hurairah's birth name was Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhr. The Prophet when he advised the companions to perform the night prayer, Abu Hurairah then asked them, Ya Rasulullah, if I'm not able to wake up, then what should I do? Can I perform it before going to sleep? And the Prophet gave him the dispensation of performing the night prayer before going to sleep. Because Abu Hurairah he was a student, he would stay up late, he was Sufa, he would study the hadith of the Prophet compile them. You have the most narrations from Sayyidina Abu Hurairah So because he was a student, and we can relate to this as students, yeah. you know, a lot of us are night owls and sleep very late, so sometimes we won't be able to, or many of the times we won't be able to wake up for Salat al-Tahajjud because it's at such a crucial time. And pray before going to sleep. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's rewarding, subhanAllah. Especially in our... And once we are able to develop good habits, like sleeping early and waking up early, then we can change the routine. Step by step. Step by step, exactly. In Arabic, there's a, there's a saying, قَطَرَ قَطَرَ تَتْقُبُ الْحَجَرَ One drop, one drop, one drop at a time on a rock will eventually break that rock. 100%. One drop of water. Yes. One, another drop of water. Eventually that rock oh. will break. But if you get a, a jug and you <laughs> splash it, you know, throw it on the rock, the rock will not break. Mm. So, little by little, but with consistency. It makes a stronger impact, right? Exactly. It makes a stronger impact. So on a daily basis, we have to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He loves those actions that are done with consistency. Even if they may be little. He says in a hadith, The most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are done with consistency, even if they may be little. Even if they may be a few in quantity, in number. But they're done with consistency. We should try to keep optional fasts. This is something else that we, we developed. Uh, our, our bodies now understand and they're able to fast they're able to be placed on a routine and follow that routine so don't just put it aside yeah. aside exactly continue that throughout the year and how do we do this how this is a forgotten sunnah a forgotten sunnah is the voluntary fasts throughout the year mondays and thursdays and emphasize sunnah of the prophet but many people they completely maybe don't even know about it unfortunately and if they do know they don't have that environment around them so 
we should take it upon ourselves to create that environment in the home where you encourage family members to fast Mondays and Thursdays, then it will be understood that, okay, Mondays and Thursdays are, are days of yeah, the That's our fasting day. That's our fasting day. So the whole house gets up for support together. The whole house breaks fast together, opens fast together. The white days, the three white days, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th of every Islamic month. And look at that, it's year round. Year yeah. round. And subhanAllah, I'm talking about it from a spiritual perspective. The health benefits that come with these uh, fasts, these, these fasts, subhanAllah, they're, they're, you know, so many in number. So many, the health benefits. You know, people always talk about intermittent fasting. What is intermittent fasting? <laughs> Honestly, oh, I do, um, I do 16-8 or 18-6 uh, you know, or things like this. No, we don't need to, to do this intermittent fasting. Why? Because we have the perfect role model in the Prophet ﷺ. Look how healthy he was. So we need to look at his regimen. What was his diet? What was his uh, schedule and, and, and his fasting routine? Mondays and Thursdays and Ayam al And if someone wants to go to a more extreme diet, maybe they have higher goals, aspirations, there's a solution for that as well. What is that? Psalm Dawud The fasting of Prophet David. Meaning he would fast one day and he wouldn't fast the next day. He would fast one day, he wouldn't fast the next day. So he would fast every other day. And what does this signify? This, this signifies and, and highlights a person's patience and a person's gratitude. How? The day that you fast, you are bearing patiently. You are exercising sabr, exercising patience. And the day that you don't fast, you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving you sustenance, for giving you food. We have, we have examples and, and, and we have role models in our rich Islamic tradition. In our rich Islamic tradition. So we need to see that whatever fits our schedule, let's say, for example, you know, last semester, it was difficult for me to do Thursdays because I had two classes on Thursday. Right. But I didn't have any classes on Monday. So That's I, your free day. That Easy. Was my, that was my fasting day. MashaAllah. May Allah accept. May Allah accept. Now, if, now, alhamdulillah, you know, exams are coming to a close and um, we have uh, summer vacation. So there's no excuse not to fast. No. You're doing no nothing. Nothing. We're relaxing, you know, enjoying. So if we're able to, subhanAllah, let's, let's try to fast. And sure. especially when the days get shorter in fall and in the winter, then we definitely don't have any excuse. SubhanAllah, the woman folk in the family who might be making up their qadas for Ramadan. Yeah. So during that time, you tag, can join them. Tag along. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Join them, exactly. And encourage them to make their qadas on Mondays and Thursdays. Because mm -hmm. if they do that, then this will be encouragement for the men folk in the home to also fast. With a different intention, of course, with the yeah. intention of fulfilling the sunnah of the Prophet. We haven't even gone to the top of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure, it feels so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but these are really, these are important things to keep in mind. Definitely. Because, you know, the guest is gone, but how, how do we 
Uh, respect and honor the guest. The guest of the month. Oh, Ramadan. Ramadan. Yes, that is the month of Ramadan. And if there were certain haram things that we've been avoiding during Ramadan, resolve to make our new habit permanent and not to return to it. We need to make. We need to make this resolve. Yeah, permanent. Permanent. No going back. No going back. We were able to cut it off cold turkey in Ramadan. Continue. Continue. We don't need to, you know, wean off the bad habit because in Ramadan we cut it off cold turkey. And as, um, you know, um, the the Eid prayer approaches, the Eid Salah. Those people who worship Ramadan will disappear. People who worship Ramadan will disappear soon. But those who worship Allah will remain and continue the same. They'll be consistent. They'll be consistent. So there are people who worship Ramadan. It's in a, yeah. no, it's, it's in. just the same to make us understand that a Muslim is not someone who just worships the month of Ramadan. We worship Allah. And Ramadan comes and goes, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always there. He's not going away. He's not going nowhere. So our are we worshiping Ramadan or are we worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Of course, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Exactly, exactly. Now, let's let's delve into the discussion, you know, the etiquettes for, for Eid. And this is very important. Why is this topic so important? People see Eid as a day of celebration. And it is. It's a day of celebration, right? Right. But it's also a day of worship. Especially the night, subhanAllah. The night of Eid is a night of worship. SubhanAllah. The companions of the Prophet would say that there are certain nights throughout the year in which dua is accepted. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, and he says, from those nights, the two nights of Eid, meaning the, the night of Eid al-Fitr and the night of Eid al-Adha. Du'as are accepted in this night. But SubhanAllah, people are so heedless. <laughs> They're busy decorating the house, preparing for Eid, that they forget about worship. Definitely. Completely forget about worship. And worse than that is many people disobey Allah on the day of Eid. They do things that displease Allah. In the name of celebrating Eid. So let's go over some of the etiquettes of the day of Eid. We should constantly be reciting takbir the Eid takbir recite it and not only listen to mm-hmm. it and this is when sunset hits for the day of Eid and on our way uh, to going to the Eid Salah to the Eid Gah to the uh, place of prayer for the Eid um, the, the Eid prayer now just to sidetrack a little bit I want to talk about um, how I really, really, alhamdulillah, like how Masjid Zakaria, they perform Salat al-Eid outside. MashaAllah. Because this is a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu Performing in an Eid gah, like a, a place, uh, an open Like an field, open place, right? Like an open place, exactly. And uh, not performing the Eid prayer inside the masjid. So when people, you know, rent out, um, like Cornell, they, they do it there, mashaAllah. It really makes me happy, subhanAllah. And I think mm-hmm. in Mississauga, they rent out a, a big 
place as well. Even like IIT, like yeah. they use their whole lawn for eat nice. prayers. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the lawn they have in the back, the whole field. Very good, very very good, mashallah. That's that's how it should be. This is uh, you know following the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Another etiquette to to keep in mind. So the eat takbir. What is the eat takbir? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. It is mentioning, declaring the greatness of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. To remember that. Why? Why do we even recite this takbir? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, وَلِتُكْمِلُ الْعِدَّةِ وَلِتُكَبِّرُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ and complete the days complete the counted days of the month of the month of Ramadan and declare the greatness of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided us what does it mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave us the ability to execute all of the good deeds in the month of Ramadan Definitely. now declare his greatness it wasn't because of me or you that I was able to do this many khatams and do qiyam at night and fast during the day. No, it is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy that I was able to do that. Only through His will. It's only through His will. It's through the fadl, through the, 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 the mercy of Allah that I was able to carry out the good deeds that I did, that I was able to refrain from sin. So now we have to declare His greatness. That he was the one who enabled me. He gave me the capability of doing these good deeds. So, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful for everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to do throughout the month of Ramadan. He has allowed, to do, allowed, to, allowed us to do these good deeds. We need to declare and show our gratitude. We need to show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are grateful for everything. Now, another etiquette that's very important to keep in mind is to wear for men the best clothing and to apply perfume. Okay? Okay. I'm going to mention that uh, caveat, okay? For men to wear the best clothing preferably new clothing if we have if not then the best clothing they should be clean and apply cologne or itr something to make you smell good now remember this applies to men because the prophet forbade and he prohibited women from wearing or rather from wearing perfume to the extent that when they walk by others the can men, smell it the men are able to smell it is haram. It is haram for for the women to to wear perfume in such a manner that if they walk by, uh, men are able to smell, smell the perfume. And we'll get into this further as well. But remember to take a bath, ghusl, uh, preferably if we can after Salatul Fajr before going for Salatul Eid. Inshallah. We should try to eat something before going to Salatul Eid. And specifically eating dates and eating them in odd numbers. 
This is the Sunnah of the Prophet Before going for Salat al eating dates. Now, why? Why do we eat dates before going for Salat al In the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to fast. We are commanded to fast. So we fast. Mm-hmm. And then we open our fast with a date. Right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Eid, He said, I have made fasting haram upon you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say this, meaning this is our, uh, uh, we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fasting haram upon us. On the day of Eid, it is Eid. haram yeah. according to the Sharia. Meaning, Sharia has said this. Now, because we listen to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to show Him that, Oh Allah, we are not even going to resemble a fasting person. We are going to eat this day that we would usually eat after Salat al-Maghrib. We will eat it early in the morning. Early in the morning, just because you commanded us to eat. You commanded us to celebrate, to enjoy, so we, we are doing just that. It is a way of showing our ita'ah, our submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us a command, we listen and we obey. We listen and we obey. obey. Another important etiquette is and this one I'm going to spend a lot of time on. The scholars mention that all women can attend the Eid prayer, even those in a state of impurity, just to witness Salatul Eid, sit and listen to the khutbah. Mm-hmm. This is the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We're going to delve into the statement and we're going to expand and, and explain the, uh, the the narration of the Prophet. So before going to that narration, I just want to uh, mention the uh, how it came about. عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال قدم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المدينة ولهم يومان يلعبون فيهما فقال ما هذا اليومان قالوا كنا نلعب فيهما في الجاهلية فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله قد أبدلكم بهما خيرا منهما يوم الأضحى this is recorded in Abu Dawood. Anas ibn Malik anhu, he said that when the Prophet came to Medina, the people would celebrate and they had their festivities on two days. On two days. And the commentators mentioned these two days were Nairuz, Nairuz and Mahrajan. Nairuz and Mahrajan. So the Prophet asked them, he said, what are these days? And they said, we enjoy, we celebrate the day of happiness, a day of festivities uh, that we would do in the pre-Islamic time, the, jahi, the time of Jahiliyyah. So the Prophet he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has changed these for two days that are even better. Yawmul Adha and Yawmul Fitr. Meaning Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr. Now, these are our days of celebration. We must take pride in them. Just as other people have other forms of celebration, other days of celebration, mm-hmm. and they take pride in these days, and they tell everyone, marry this, everyone happy knows. this, yeah. everyone knows. But why is it that a lot of non-Muslims won't know about Eid? 
Don't be shy. Don't have inferiority complex. Be proud. Dress beautifully. You know, dress extraordinarily so that when people see you, that why are you dressed like this? It's because it's my day of festivity. It's my day of celebration. To be proud of our Islamic heritage. If we're not going to be, then who is? Exactly. We have to. It's a must. We are the ambassadors of the deen of Allah. We are the ambassadors, the vicegerents of the religion of Allah, the religion of Islam. We have to represent the religion. If not us, then who? For sure. Now, I want to get to that narration uh, wherein the Prophet he commands the uh, the women to come out for al-filtr and al-adha wabi qala hadathna amrun al-naqid qala hadathna isa ibn yunus qala hadathna hisham an hafsata binti sirin an ummi atiya qala amrana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an nukhrijahunna fi al-fitr wal-adha al-awatiq wal-huyyad wa-dawati al-huyyad fa-amma al-huyyad فَأَمَّا الْحُيَّضْ فَيَعْتَزِلْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيَشْهَدْنَ الْخَيْرِ وَدَعْوَةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِحْدَانَا لَا يَكُونُ لَنَا لَا يَكُونُ لَهَا جِلْبَابِ قَالْ لِتُلْبِسْهَا أُخْتُهَا مِنْ جِلْبَابِهَا So, the translation of this narration, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, commanded us to bring out on Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha young women, menstruating women, and screened away menstruating women that are usually that are kept back from prayer right they don't perform salat during their menses but participated in the goodness and supplication of the muslims so the Prophet commanded us to do this i said the narrator she says i said o messenger of allah one of us does not have an outer garment a jilbab to cover uh, her body and face Prophet then said, let her sister cover her with her outer garment. Let right. her sister cover her with her outer garment. Now, let's go into all of the explanations of uh, this narration. This was the general practice, and in fact it was needed since Islam was in its initial stages, and the women were needed to become accustomed to performing salah. Moreover, the aspect of fitna was far less than in our era. Although the need for the women to be accustomed to these salah still exists today and will remain so until the day of Qiyamah, the element of fitna, of evil, corruption, mischief is more threatening today than ever before. We need to ponder over the fact that Ummul Mu'mineen the mother of the believers, Lady Aisha had begun to discourage this practice not very long after the demise of Rasulullah based on the same element of fitna. This was a few years after the demise of the Prophet Imagine how much fitna we are in right now. In right now. Experiencing right now. 1400 and something years after the demise of the Prophet It's on the rise. And it's still on the rise. Exactly. If, if Lady Aisha had such foresight and she could see that the fitna is spreading. So as a saddul lidhari'ah, to stop uh, this from getting out of hand, she started discouraging this practice of women going out to the Eidgah, to the place of prayer for Salat al-Eid. 
Can we imagine what she would have said had she witnessed our era? The scholars of Islam always considered this aspect of fitna. And many of them ruled that women should not attend the salah. Neither in the masjid nor at the Eidgah. Meaning the place of uh, prayer for Salat al eid After quoting the hadith in question, Imam Tirmidhi has reported from Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak and Sufyan al-Thawri that they considered it makruh for the women to attend the Eid Salah. Imam Tirmidhi also made reference to the statement of Lady Aisha that I quoted above. This is also the view of the Hanafi scholars. Imam Badruddin al-Aini, he quotes this in his Umdat al-Qari. This is also mentioned in I'la al-Sunan. Even those scholars who allow the woman to attend attach very strict conditions, like the woman should not be scantily adorned. You can't overdo it right. in beautifying and adorning yourself. Why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us in the Quran. He commands the woman folk, don't adorn yourself like how they would adorn themselves before the advent of Islam. The jahili time. Number two, they should not apply perfume. Do not apply perfume. Now one cannot say for a fact that on the day of Eid, no person would uh, prefer to be you know, dressed in that manner like disheveled. On the contrary, people generally wear their best clothing on that day. So how can it be justified that the woman be permitted to attend when the conditions of permission will certainly be flaunted. Another reason for which all the women were ordered to attend was so that the large numbers of Muslims may become apparent, thereby attracting others towards Islam. More than being affected by one's inner spirits and enthusiasms, we need to keep in mind, bear in mind the commands of Allah and be conscious of not disobeying Him. There's no rationale in trying to fulfill a mustahab a like a light act by perpetuating several harams and prohibitions. Let me say that again. There's no rationale, there's no common sense in trying to fulfill a mustahab liked act by perpetuating several harams and prohibitions. It doesn't make sense for anyone to do it. Exactly. Lastly, I want to end off on this point for the this this point of or this uh, etiquette of, of Eid. Some people think that it's only uh, Asians or people of the subcontinent who pro prohibit you know, uh, or, or prevent women from coming to the Eid Ga. Here under I'm going to mention a short list of the scholars of the past who also prevented the women from attending either the five salahs in the masjid or the Eid Salah. Number one, Ummul Mu'mineen, Lady Aisha radiallahu anha, the beloved wife of the Prophet sallallahu who was so dear to him who was so close to him. The Prophet loved Layya Aisha Where is this recorded? In Sahih al-Bukhari. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud the father of the Hanafi Madhab. Majority if not all of the Hanafi Madhab is derived from the teachings and the rulings of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud He prohibits this. Where is this recorded? Majma'u al-Zawa'id. Abdullah ibn Umar the son of the great Umar 
who was given such a lofty status as a teenager because of his intellect, subhanAllah. Where is this recorded? Musannaf ibn Abi Shayba. Sayyidina Urwa ibn Zubayr radiallahu anhu prohibited and prevented women from coming to the masjid. Where is this recorded? Musannaf ibn Abi Shayba. Sayyidina Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr faqihu al-Madina. He was one of the fuqaha'u sab'a, the seven great jurists of Medina. He pre prevented and prohibited women from attending the masjid. Where is this recorded? Musannaf ibn Abi Shayba. Ibrahim al nakhai rahmatullahi alayhi. Musannaf ibn Abi Shayba. Abdullah ibn Mubarak radiyallahu anhu rahmatullahi alayhi. Where is this recorded? Sunan al-Tirmidhi. Imam Malik rahmatullahi alayhi. Where is this recorded? Umdat al-Qadi. Sufyan al-Thawri rahmatullahi alayhi. Where is this recorded? Sunan al-Tirmidhi. Imam Abu Yusuf rahmatullahi alayhi. The student of Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi alayhi prohibited this as well. This is recorded in Umdat al-Qadi. Now ask yourself this question. How many of the above are Asians or from the subcontinent? No, this isn't something misogynistic. We look down at women or we have something against them. No, it's from the Salaf, the Salaf al-Salihin, the pious predecessors of the past. It didn't just start right now. No, this isn't a new phenomenon and we're hating on women. No, don't come to the masjid. No, it's, it's not like that. It's not like that. This is from the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And there's wisdom in this. There's so much wisdom in this, subhanAllah. I'm just going to mention a few more etiquettes, inshallah, then we'll wrap it up. Inshallah. Remember, try to walk to the masjid and walk back home if we're able to do so. Instead of uh, taking your car, instead of driving, if you live close to the masjid, try to walk and walk back. This is a sunnah of the Prophet Instead of taking a conveyance, to walk. Walk. Yeah. Now, another one, uh, it has to do with going and coming from the masjid as well. Go to Salatul Ali one way and go back home another way. Meaning, if you, let's say, if you cross the street um, from one direction, then come from another direction. Take another path on the way back. This is the Sunnah of the Prophet. Congratulate one another on Eid. This is from the uh, the companions of Allah, the Tabi'un, the Salaf al-Salih, people, you know, nowadays they say, oh, they might they might raise this uh, objection that, oh, the Prophet didn't do this, this is bid'ah. <laughs> no, the Prophet encouraged mu'anaqa, he encouraged musafaha, he encouraged hugging, shaking hands, congratulating one another. They would do it all the time. They make dua for each other, hug each other, may Allah forgive me, may Allah forgive you. They would do a good deed. May Allah accept your deeds and my deeds. Pray Eid, meaning pray the Eid prayer. Listen to the khutbah. Avoid haram things the night before it and the day of. And one of the signs that our deeds are accepted is that we follow Ramadan with more acts of ibadah and increase our worship. And one of the signs that our deeds are rejected, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us, is that we mm -hmm. follow Ramadan with haram. We have to avoid free mixing and and uh, any sort of fitna or anything that will lead us into fitna on the day of Eid. And we need to celebrate Eid and spend Eid with our families and our loved ones. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to truly make us of those 
whom was, who received the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the month of Ramadan Amen. were enveloped in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy we, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu and allow us to take heed and not be heedless it's very important subhanallah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us our sins and reunite us in Jannah al-Firdaus Ameen Jazakallah Shaykh for all your time and efforts. A lot to learn from you. Jazakallah Khair. May Allah accept, inshaAllah.